crowd for 7 o'clock on Easter. I know that. Because you guys, you guys wake up early and pray and fast all morning till you get here at 11.30. So way to go. I am proud of you. How you doing? You look great. You really do. And uh, it's always fun to be with you. And a day like today and moving into spring this week officially, I think, Wednesday or Thursday, whenever. And hard to believe. It's, uh, winter's about over. But we're really glad that you are here. And uh, thanks for coming. Hey, thanks for last weekend, our missions weekend. We'll be bringing an update with the offering, but you funded a ton of stuff last weekend, and some of you stepped out there to put a faith promise card in to give monthly to missions, and I just really, I really appreciate your care for the world, your care for northern Colorado, and uh, thanks for believing in the vision of Timberline to make a difference in that sense. I cannot believe for almost a year and a half we've been preaching out of the book of Mark, just verse by verse, and this Eyewitness News series and we're coming down to the last two weeks. Uh, I Mark 14 this weekend. So open your Bibles and, and uh, let's look at it. Let's dive in. I, I kind of want to lead off with a question because I've called the message in denial with a question mark. Because it's the idea of do you know who you really are? Now we kind of laugh about that and say, well, of course I know who I am. Well... How well do you know yourself? Just, just today is going to be a day when I need you to put your best brain power on and get deep in there and say, do I really know who I am? And do my lifestyles and my behaviors match who I believe I am to be? Because this story today is about this guy named Peter. And Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And what does Peter say? Not a chance. Not a chance. That will never happen. I'll die first. And yet he did. He did deny the Lord. So it tells me that I can fully say something and not fully live it out. And I think that's an important message for us to think about as we, uh, as we ask the question, who am I? Um, sometimes we believe things about ourselves that are not true. And then sometimes we don't see the things that are true about us. I remember as a kid, my mom, she's a great seamstress. And one of my favorite things was when she made me, when I was just a little guy, the big blue cape and the shirt with the big red S on the front. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I, when I put that outfit on, I became Superman. Many people don't know that, but I'm confessing that today. Until <laughs> I tried to jump out of a window and it didn't work too well uh, in flying. But I'm past that stage. Bonnie made me a new one a couple years ago. She... I like it. It's, it's kind of fun. I'm, I, I, I never was Superman. But sometimes the image of who we have, the, the person we want to be, and we get caught up in that identity. So let's just look at it. Your bulletin on the back side has a, just some blanks. Fill them in. Follow along. First one is this. What are you learning about yourself? This is a big question today. Because I think we can sort of just go numb and live our lives and not really realize what we're learning about who we really are and our true identity. So let's look at this. Will, you will all fall away, Jesus told them. This is verse 27. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. <laughs> now, sorry that makes me laugh, but... 
think of how the other disciples, he's basically saying, you know, these other disciples, I get it. They're, they're probably going to fall away. But I'm the exception to the rule. He's, he's kind of arrogant in the way he says this. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. What is it that Peter saw in himself and what is it that he did not see in himself? Question, do you believe he meant it when he said, I will never disown you? Yeah, he absolutely did. I think he believed it with all of his heart. But when the pressure came, he couldn't live it out. He couldn't do what he said because he didn't know himself well enough to understand that tendency in his life to overreact instead of think things through and respond. We see it in his life all throughout the stories of his life. I started thinking about it in, in preparing this message a while back to say, how am I doing with knowing myself? And I wrote, I wrote a, a series of questions down. And sometimes I don't always bring all those to, to the weekend teaching, but I'm going to give you like seven or eight questions. You don't have to write them down, but I want you, you can if you want, they're short. But I want you to think about them. And I want you to think about how you would answer these questions today if you had to put an answer to it. What are my tendencies just in, in the way that I'm living my life? Am I positive? Am I negative? What, what happens when I leave the room? What do I bring to the table? Just my tendencies in general life as a person. Do I know them? Uh, another one is what is my attitude when I come into a room? Am I typically seeing the good, the bad? Am I typically having a chip on my shoulder? What kind of an attitude do I bring to life in general? And is that what others would say about my attitude? Another big one, I think, is what are my prejudices? Because I'm convinced, I'm convinced that people don't realize when they're prejudiced. Uh, many of them don't. Because this really depends on how you were raised, your experiences and what happened with you. And you can, you can, you can harbor racism in your heart and not even really know that you are. And you justify it for various reasons. And, and that kills. It destroys the kingdom of God. It's very important that we understand where we really are and who we really are um, inside. Another one was, uh, you know, what do I not know? It's kind of funny. A couple of years ago, I was in this kind of seminar setting, and this guy was, was talking about this, and he said, you need to remember this. You don't know what you don't know. Now, we kind of laugh about that, but it's kind of true. If you think about it, I don't know what I don't know about myself. And, and until someone points that out or the Holy Spirit helps me discern something of a weakness in my life or I really look at my patterns, then I'm not going to have any way of knowing it. So I have to always realize that my heart is open to say, God, show me the stuff that I don't know. I want to know it and help me with that. What are my financial responsibilities? That's a really good question to ask yourself. Am I being financially responsible with what God has put in my hand? Uh, another one I wrote down is, where is my accountability? I, I was attaching names to that one as I put several names down to say, I want accountability in my life. And you've got to invite that in. It doesn't happen automatically. A couple more. How am I growing? Like, can you, can you say, okay, I'm, I've grown in my study of God's Word. I've grown because 
I'm, I'm, I've been faithfully attending, I'm in a small group, I'm reading my devotional, whatever it is. How am I growing in life in all these areas? Emotionally am I growing? And then the last one I put down was how am I changing? And am I different right now than I was a year ago at this time? And what has changed? And could I identify some of those changes in my life to say what's happening in my mind, my heart, my spirit, my body? How am I different? I just want you to be growing, that's all. I want you to understand who you really are because sometimes, like Peter, we say things and we can't live up to it because we really don't see the inside of who we are. Number two in your outline is this. What are you learning about prayer? What are you learning about prayer? Now, this story has several stories in the story. And this is probably the, the toughest season of Jesus other than maybe death on the cross. He's going into this place called Gethsemane. Remember this? Okay, it's, it's the whole, it's really a tough season. And as we move into Easter, you need to remember this. Verse 32, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Wow, you don't see that about Jesus very often in the Gospels. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said. That's like saying, Daddy, God, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Then in the same breath, he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus did not want to face this. Then he returned to his disciples, and he found them praying earnestly for him in his sorrow and pain. No, that's not, that's not what it says. They were sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How true. Once more he went away and he prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping. Their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said, Are you still sleeping and resting enough? The hour is come. Now, if you've studied the Gospels and you read Jesus, you will find out right away he's never said this yet. He always says, mine hour is not yet come. My time is not now. Even when his mother said, we're out of wine at the wedding, his first miracle. He's like, well, this isn't my time. And, and it seems like multiple times. However, this he knew was his time. This he knew the domino effect would start. He was going into Gethsemane. He would be crucified. He would be raised from the dead. And he's facing that hour. I think that's really big and interesting. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Who would that be? Judas. Jesus is really struggling. That's what I want you to see here. I, I, I was talking with someone a while back and they said, I feel really guilty right now because I'm praying more than I ever have because I'm going through this horrible unemployment and this trial and, and I feel like so embarrassed because I never really prayed before. I was in all this trauma. And I said, that's the best time to pray. Jesus calls his friends to pray for him. He says, pray for me now, and he's facing his worst hour. Matter of fact, it's so bad. Can, let's learn from this. It's so bad that he prays to God, can you please find another way? Now that's, that's being honest. Would you agree? 
That means it's okay sometimes when you come to God and say, I don't like this situation. I don't like this diagnosis. I don't want to go through this. This is horrible. How could this be happening to me? He just wants you to pour your heart out in an honest way. Praying is difficult, but never fake it. Pray the truth. Pray what's really going on in your heart. It's not easy to pray. Sometimes it's very laborious, just being honest with you. I love to pray now, but as a kid, I did not really like to pray. All right, we had a, a devotional time every morning in our household, and my mom would read this little thing, and we would all pray. And It was kind of okay because we were drinking hot chocolate while we were doing this, so that kind of kept my attention. <laughs> but, but I remember we used to go to camp meeting you know, for a whole week in the summer. Anybody know what camp meeting is besides me? It was a time where people would go up to this campground up at Cedar Ridge, the one we went to over on the west slope of Colorado, and there was, they called it the tabernacle. And there was this tabernacle. It had a sawdust floor. It was kind of like old time, and uh, let's just pray and hear preaching. And, and you spend the week up there, and we'd take our camper. And, and, man, to me, it's like bullfrogs in the ponds, and we're out with my buddies, and it's just so fun. And, but we had prayer meeting every day at 10 o'clock. ruined everything. And we had to go. And this was this sawdust floor, and I can still remember going in there. And, you know, we would go in and kneel at the front there on the sawdust, and they would invite everybody up to pray. And I, I can honestly tell you, I can remember praying for my family, my friends, my dogs, everything I could think of to pray for. And looking back at this big round clock there, and like three minutes has gone by. Anybody understand what I'm saying? And you just think, I'm going to die before this hour is up. It was awful. So then I, I did find this one little place up on the platform. It was behind a speaker, like a, a, a monitor speaker, up against the wall that was really comfortable so I could go to sleep. And I'll never forget one time my dad comes over and he kind of shakes my leg and he says, Derry, are you praying? I'm like, oh, God, yes, Lord, help us, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> And then, and then he said to me, well, prayer meeting's been over for about a half an hour. You can go now. <laughs> now I love to pray. You know why? Because I'm a different husband when I'm prayerful. Because when I pray for Bonnie, I think sometimes there's discernment that comes into my life. There's stuff that the Spirit can help me prepare for. When I pray for each of our kids... And I call them out by name. I feel like God prepares me for another conversation that I'm going to have with him. I'm sensitive. I'm, I'm ready. When I pray for you and I pray for Timberline, I'm a better pastor when I pray, when I'm thinking about that. So no matter what your needs are, no matter what the issues are in your life, pray honestly to God. Talk to God about everything. Number three, how will I use the swords in my life? Now, this story gets interesting because Peter is about to pull out a dagger and cut this guy's ear off. And it happens so fast. And I'm just saying, I think we all have swords. And I want to talk about what those could be in our lives. Verse 43. Just as Jesus was speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, appeared. With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Lead him away under guard. Going at once, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. 
Then one of those standing near, which the other gospel writers tell us who it was, it was Peter, drew his sword and he struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. His, his name was Malchus, we learned from another author. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, that you have come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me then, basically. But the scriptures must be fulfilled that then everyone deserted him and fled. When I think of what happened here, this betrayal by Judas, and then this, this horrible moment when Peter has this reaction. He jumps up, and this is Pastor Scott's sword. He said I could use it. And this is big. This is a big one. Now, it probably wasn't this big because they carried daggers like down their back or in their chest. So it's probably, most scholars say these knives that they've found over the years are anywhere from 6 to 14 inches long. And so this is a lot bigger than that. But as I think about what we do, as I think about how we wield the sword, I think all of us sometimes carry a sword. What happened was Peter just pulled this out in a reaction, and I think he was going for the head. And the guy ducked like that, and he got his ear. Uh, the go another gospel writer, writer tells us that Jesus actually picked up the ear and put it back on the man and healed him. I think that's very nice right? That's very nice. You know, you probably don't carry an actual physical sword like this around with you. I mean, if, if you do, you really need some help, but um, you probably don't. But we all carry a sword with us. We carry things like living with kind of threats or the ability to harm others. For some of you teenagers, bullying is a really big thing in our culture right now minimizing people, pressing, oppressing people. Some of you work with people who are this way. They're, they're bullies. They, they work by intimidation. And they, they come after you. with the, That's a sword. That's a sword that can cut people up. Do you know that your words can destroy someone? Some of you right now are still scarred because of the words spoken to you years and years and years ago. And it's tough to overcome. I look at attitudes that become swords. You make people walk on eggshells just because of your attitude. There's a chip on your shoulder. Sometimes withholding our love is a sword. Have you ever heard the phrase, the silent treatment? And it's just this idea that I'm just going to withdraw emotionally and you're going to suffer because I'm not going to talk about it. That's a sword. That's a form of punishment. We need to be more mature than that. We need, to, we need to step up in our lives and say, I'm not going to live like that. I'm not going to be that way. And just reactionary living. Peter reacted. And it messed some things up. And we're talking about it today. I don't know how things ex escalate. I just know sometimes in relationships, you know, some of you who are dating right now or you're married. Bonnie and I are in like our 34th year of marriage. And I look back at that. No, you don't have to clap on that. But I look back on that, and I, I think I remember one time we had an argument. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We've never had an argument, ever. <laughs> no, you know, we've had plenty. And, and I think, you know, you know how it's just weird how it can easily, if you're, if you're not guarded, if you don't pay attention, it's like, well, I don't really agree with that. Well, I don't really agree with you. Well, yeah, but I remember what you did six years into our marriage that hurt me. Well, yeah, I remember what you did before we were married that hurt me. Well, yeah, well, I hate the day you were born. Well, 
how, how does it go to how to put the silverware in the drawer to hating the day they were born? You know, what I, how does that how does that happen? It's 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 our selfishness, it's our stubbornness, and it's swords. And you know how to hurt somebody that you love. You know their weak points. And all of a sudden, you pull that sword out and you start slicing. I'm telling you, it's going to lead to death. It's going to lead to being bloody. It's going to lead to being a mess. And it, it messes people up. So I'm going to give you a phrase today that can help you. I want you to learn how to say this. And I really mean this. It's really sincere from my heart. When you are at the end, when you are in an argument, when you are in a conflict, I want you to learn how to simply say this. I don't really know what to say, and I don't really know what to do, and, and walk away. Just, just try that. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Before it gets so escalated, why? Because you're admitting that you really don't know how to respond, and what we usually do is we say the first thing that comes to our mind, which is not the best thing. And learn to put some distance between your responses and think it through and pay attention and don't just fight back. I can just see someone, some, some couple right now this week, you're going to be in your kitchen in an argument. One of you is going to say, I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do. <laughs> and you should just hug them for saying that. And then you'll probably say, well, I do, so listen to me. <laughs> it's just not fair. Okay, let's go to number four. Haunting thought, but it's true. Not everyone wants the truth. You realize that? Sometimes not even me, not even you. Do you really want to know the truth about you and your circumstances and how you got there and why you are the way you are? It's, it's, a, it's a big deal. This is a moment in which Jesus is actually going to admit that he's the son of God and they're going to kill him for it. Even though it's the truth, they could have turned to him for salvation, but that they didn't want to believe it, even though it was true. Let's look at it. Verse 60, then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and he gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah, the son of the blessed one? In other words, are you truly the son of God? I am, Jesus said. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of glory. The high priest tore his clothes. That's a sign back in those days of absurd. That's ridiculous. He couldn't hear it. He just rips his clothes like, you're saying you're the Son of God? He tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses, he asks. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. This is very sad. They blindfolded him. They struck him with their fists. And they said things like, prophesy, tell us who hit you. And the guards took him and beat him. This was the moment when it all goes downhill toward the cross. This is what we're going to be thinking about these next two weeks leading up to Easter. This is why it's so glorious when Jesus comes back from the grave is because he suffered for you and for me. I love the fact that Jesus told the truth even though they did not believe him. I just wanna encourage you to be an honest person. Tell the truth. Do you know, 
it doesn't take very long to research. Do you know how many people right now are living two or three or four more identities with their life? With email and accounts and all of a sudden there are other names and people and they have, I mean, I just can't imagine how complicated that must become. I mean, I think in some ways it's easier to just live in the truth than it is to live a lie. But our culture tells a lot of lies. Do you realize that? Do you think people can get to the place to where they believe their own lies? I think they can. And it's, it's just not the truth. The Bible talks about knowing the truth and how it sets you free. But a lot of people don't choose freedom. Why? Because the truth is tough. It's tough sometimes. It's not always easy to be truthful and to be honest. This is one of my favorite things in the last couple weeks. I've had this on my desk for two weeks looking at it. It came in this baggie, in this bottle. We have dumped out what was in here two weeks ago on Sunday. And if you're here, I don't know who you are. I don't know your name. It's been marked off of the bottle, so please don't come and tell me it's you if you don't want me to know. Um, one of our prayer team, I thank God for our prayer team up here. They just came up like any service, and someone came up to them with tears in their eyes and said, God has really spoken to me today. And they pulled this out, and they said, this is something that I, I treasure and I hold on to and I take it with me everywhere I go. I refill it multiple times. It just, it's this whole idea of, and it was, it was like a hard, some kind of alcohol. And they just couldn't see going anywhere without a drink. It's what gave them the courage to face life. Totally dependent on this. And they said, I've, I've got to, God, I don't want to have this bondage in my life anymore. And they, they gave it up and and they even said, I'm, I'm going to regret giving this because I'm going to want this later, but I've got to make a change in my life. Thank God for you if you are here. Amen. Do you think that person will never face temptation again for alcohol? They'll face it, won't they? Of course they will. It's going to be an ongoing battle. But you know what I love about this? It's a moment where someone was honest. It's a moment where someone said, I have a problem. I have an issue in my life and I need to face it. And that's the beginning of your freedom. Don't hide those lies. That truth is what does set us free. I want you to live in that kind of a freedom. Don't live a double life. Number five and lastly is how will I respond under pressure? How will I respond under pressure? Peter said, I will never, ever disown you. Jesus said, yes, you will. Now the moment comes, and we're going to see what happens in verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses, and he swore to them. He was trying to basically separate himself from something spiritual, like, look how bad I am. Look, at, I, can, I can use these words. I'm a bad guy. And he, he, he swears to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered. I love that. I love those three words, yet they're haunting. Then Peter remembered. 
the word of Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And look at his response. He broke down and he wept. He couldn't believe what he had done. He didn't know himself so well after all. He would eventually die for Jesus, for the cause of Christ. And he lived out to fulfill that promise. But in this moment, he didn't know himself and he walked in denial. It's a great lesson for us. It's a great moment for us to get this right and to pay attention. I want to close with this thought. How much is Judas like Peter and Peter like Judas? It's a fair examination. They both betrayed the Lord. One in Judas handing him over, but Peter a form of betrayal and denying that he even knew him. They also both were very sorrowful for what they did. So what sets them apart? Why do we have this disdain for Judas and yet this honor for Peter? Their responses. Judas selfishly ended it by suicide. That was his escape. Why? He couldn't handle facing the truth. Whereas Peter was filled with sorrow and remorse, he would one day look again into the eyes of Jesus, knowing that Jesus loved him. Listen, no matter what you've done, no matter what your denial, no matter what habit, addiction you have in your life, Jesus loves you. He wants to throw his arms around you today. Don't run from that. Walk in the truth and be set free from that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we have a chance to respond. Thank you that Peter faced his failure. Thank you, God, that we can face ours. With heads bowed, this is a, such an important thing. This isn't about you just trying harder because that in the flesh is not going to work. You've tried that. This is about you releasing yourself to God to be fully vulnerable and honest. And it, it makes God smile. Even with all the junk that might be going on in your life, when you're honest and you own it and you say, God, you know my issues. It's real. This is where I'm at. Then he can work with you. Then there can be salvation. There can be release. There can be freedom. For some of you, this is your day to just fully fall back into the arms of God. You can't fix it on your own. If you know that you're kind of living in some form of denial about some realities in your life and the Holy Spirit's helping you to get that right now and see that, I, first of all, in a moment, I'm gonna ask you to slip up a hand or just say yes under your breath, but I want you to physically respond either way you want. But I want you to listen to what the Spirit's putting in your heart, not to condemn you or make you ashamed. That's not what God does. That's what the enemy does. How many of you know the Holy Spirit is sweetly convicting you Raise your hand or say yes under your breath if that's you, please. Amen. And to some degree, I know it's all of us. But God cares and he loves you. Lord, I pray and we as a church pray for those who need to come to this place of reality to say, this is where I am. These are the issues I need to face in my life. And I, I lay it down to you. I just give it to you. It's yours. I can't fix it. I don't have the strength to fix it, but I want to follow you with all of my heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. I love you, Lord. 
cleanse my mind, my spirit, and help me to be aware, to know myself more. When my tendency is to react, to stop and say, I just don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. Secondly, I want to pray for those of you who the Spirit is letting you see that you use swords in your life that might not be physical, but your words, your silence, those attitudes, whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's putting in you, I just want you to own that and just say, yes, Lord. You don't have to even raise your hand. Just say, yes, Lord, this is what I'm hearing you say to me because that's part of that step to walk out of here with the awareness that you do it. And that's, that's how you can work on it. That's a happy day. Just do it now with God. Just settle it with God right now. Lord, I hear your voice. Thank you for showing me this. Thank you for really being honest with me, my spirit, man. Lastly, Lord, I pray for those who don't know you personally as, as their Savior, as their Lord. They Help them to see you in the garden, stressed out. Even, even one author said sweating drops of blood because of the stress you were under. For their sin, for my sin. God, thank you for that. All you need to do right now is to say, thank you, Jesus. I accept, I accept your death on that cross for my salvation. I believe in it. Forgive me and cleanse me of my sin. And thank you that you rose again conquering that sin and that death that I might have eternal life and then accept it by faith right now. Lord, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you for talking to us about all issues in our life, so many things, and it's because you love us. In your name we pray these things. And everybody said amen. <laughs> amen. Praise God. You know what's wonderful about God is I didn't mention alcohol one time in my sermon two weeks ago. I didn't talk about alcoholism. It's the Holy Spirit who brings the things to you that you need to hear from the Word of God. That's why this book is so important that we teach it and preach it. So keep reading it. Love you. I'm really proud of you guys. Thanks for everything. Ushers, come, would you? We're going to receive our regular offering. And uh, thanks for some of you. I talked to someone a few weeks ago. It's the first time in their life they've become a percentage giver. And they're starting with a certain, and every week they're just in the discipline and the habit of that. And I just, I just think it's exciting when you keep growing and journeying with God. But thank you for your faithfulness in stewarding what God has put in your hand. For those of you who are guests, thanks for coming to Timberline, for checking it out. We don't expect you to give in this offering. Just be our guest. This would be where you drop the connection card in. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for the truth of your word. And we say yes to you and your plan. You have plans for us and for our future. And we are delighted by that. So use every investment penny that we put in this offering today. For your glory we pray it. And everyone said, amen. Hey, sing this from your heart. God, we thank you for loving us the way that you do, for meeting us right where we are, and for making us new. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would like prayer, we have a prayer team that would love to join with you and pray with you. They're coming at this time, and so feel free to come forward. Otherwise, don't forget Easter's right around the corner. We're going to have great celebration here. Invite friends to come with you. The service begins now. Go in his grace. God bless you.